Well, we have good news and bad news. That's what the Sunday school lesson is going to be about. But we do need to pray first. And I'll have you open your Bible or find in your phone the 37th Psalm. I'm not going to tell you what verses because then you'll be reading the verses and you won't even be paying attention while we're praying and we can't have that. But we will be reading in the 37th Psalm eventually. But first we're going to pray. Father, help us to always honor and reverence your name. Lord, remind us to pray the way Jesus taught us, remembering your kingdom business, the importance of your will. And Father, as we want to do what you want us to do, I pray, Lord, that you would open the hearts of all of us that are here, that we would hear, give us ears to hear the eternal word that you've inspired 3,000 years ago, that we can read this now and profit thereby. And we ask you this, Lord. We agree together in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I said I have good news and bad news. And that's how we're going to start this off. Hopefully that has your attention. Good news and bad news. Uh, we're going to read in this 37th Psalm something that I think you will find very comforting in the midst of a very uh, confusing period of our lives. We can all say, man, I, I, I've never seen stuff happening. I mean, is anybody else here shocked when you watch the news and you see the things that they're, it's like you're saying, what kind of world am I living in? And uh, we're seeing things at worst. Now, at our Thursday morning Bible study, which is one of the high points of my week, I love to be there. A couple of you are there at this uh, Thursday morning men's prayer breakfast. Uh, one of the guys, Ron Teets, I believe he's a retired dentist, and he, uh, did you hear what he brought up a couple of weeks ago? He said, uh, I'm going to tell you how, how to tell the difference between a pessimist and an optimist. Well, I'm going to share that with you now. I always thought that I was a little on the pessimistic side, but I found out I am an optimist. Good for me. And uh, this, is, this is what he said to us. And uh, he said, the pessimist says, and, and I'm still talking about the news that we're watching. The pessimist says, things just can't get any worse. But the optimist says, oh, yes, they can. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I'm an optimist. I really believe, yes, they really can get worse. And as we watch these things, if you are scripturally informed, if you're constantly hearing Bible verses when you're watching the news, uh, maybe it's been brought to your remembrance that uh, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, that's how it's going to be for the second coming of the Lord. And the thing about the days of Noah was that things were getting pretty bad. We don't know how bad, but it was so bad, God said, I had about enough of this. You know, that, that verse there in uh, Genesis 6, my spirit will not always strive with man. And I, uh, in, in other words, that's a, that's, a, that's a very eloquent King James way of saying, I'm only going to put up with so much of this foolishness and then I'm going to come and take care of it. So we wonder now, how much did the Lord put up with then and how much is he going to continue to put up with now? So uh, things could get worse. So that's the bad news. The bad news is things could get worse. But the good news is our sovereign God is not nervous, he's not anxious, he's not uptight, he's not wondering, oh, 
I sure hope that last election would have went different. No, he's, he's, he's not worried about anything. Uh, all things are happening the way he has decreed they will happen. And that's, that's a very sovereign-like, providential way of looking at things. And hey, good for you. That's a good way to look at things. So good news and bad news. We're, we're still introducing here. Uh, guy got a note from his doctor. She said, uh, your test results are in. I need to see you. So he goes to the doctor's office and she says, well, I have good news and bad news. And he says, well, tell me the good news first. She said, well, you have, you have 24 hours to live. He said, what? He said, that's the good news? What's the bad news? <laughs> she said, I've been trying to get a hold of you since yesterday. <laughs> so, 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 if you think <laughs> it, things could be worse, okay? It's dark up there, doesn't it? Yeah, well, this is just real life. We, we deal with reality. This is reality therapy. The reality therapy session is in, in order right now. All right, in the 37th Psalm, when we say that things are really bad and it looks like they might get worse, and we read an inspired piece of holy scripture, written 3,000 years ago, namely the 37th Psalm. I want you, as we read this together, to just get into this and see if this doesn't sound like what we're experiencing today. Because I, I thought so much, this rang my internal bell so much, I said, well, I just have to share this with all of you. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to share this together. David writing, in the 37th Psalm, under the heading, this is not an inspired heading, but in our new pew Bibles, God will not forsake his saints. And this is something we need to remember. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Remember that the next time you watch the news. Because our world news will give us anxiety, high blood pressure, <laughs> possible borderline nervous breakdown. We're seeing things that are happening that David was inspired. By the way, things have always been bad. For us to say, well, things have never been this bad. Well, I think that they have been. Uh, David, uh, right. And God's righteous remnant throughout History have always been in the minority, and there's always been more people doing bad things around them, and God's remnant, God's people, God's plan perseveres through the whole stinking mess, and it will continue to do so. So that's the good news. The good news is we're going to make it. And the bad news is things are bad, and uh, you may be worried about your, your uh, uh, what is it, a 401k, 403b? I get those numbers mixed up. Uh, <laughs> 
whatever it is, your, 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 your savings account, your, your earthly treasure. I could, I could tell you one of two things will absolutely happen to your retirement account and all of your earthly stuff. One of two things. Either you will leave it or it will leave you. That is absolutely guaranteed. And by the way, it could be leaving you right now. There could be somebody sitting in his underwear in Belarus hacking into your accounts on a computer and, and stealing money from you right now. It could be happening. How did I sleep last night? How did I sleep last night? Not very well, actually, but that's... That's a... <laughs> That's really a medical issue that we don't need to get into, but it's, 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 it's like that every night. But uh, as far as sleeping well, uh, spiritually, I, I really don't worry about it. And I, I, I wasn't messing around when I said, you know, there could be somebody hacking in. I looked at my credit card, you know, uh, statement, and I, I always look it over, you know, just to find out, you know, where, you know, to make sure everything's right. And I started seeing Payments, $175, $150, and there was like six or seven payments, at least $150 from uh, uh, gas stations, truck stops, in the Philadelphia area. And I hadn't been in the Philadelphia area. 950 bucks of false charges. Somebody got my number somehow and was filling up their big old diesel dually King Ranch pickup on me. <laughs> so... I called my credit card company, I, I, or my bank. No, the credit card company. Yeah, the bank I had to call for something else. <laughs> See, there's always something financial that's cramping our style. Call a credit card company. I said, hey, I didn't do this. They said, don't worry, we'll take care of it. So they canceled my card right there, sent us another card. So uh, the hackers will have to start all over again. But they will. They will start all over again. And while they're doing this, what is the mentality? What is the, uh, uh, how does the, the child of God maintain a, a mental and, and, and psychological equilibrium? How do we keep from not getting too messed up? Well, I would suggest that we do this. And I'm lifting a, a portion of a verse, and I'm going to tell you here, I'll, I'll tell you again because I'm getting ahead of my notes. I'm just, I'm just shooting from the hip now, and I'll, I'll, I'll go through my notes. But this is a verse which is very often a half-quoted verse. By the way, there's a lot of those. People like to quote half verses. They just quote the part of the verse they like. And uh, if you look at verse 4, that, that second part says, God will give you the desires of your heart. Now, we don't worry about this much in a church like this because this is a balanced, theologically uh, equipped church, Bible church, that's not going to be preaching little charismatic dingbat prosperity type things where God will give you what you want. Just, you know, just... just Pray like this and say this and make sure your eyes roll back on your head when you pray. And it almost looks like you're having a seizure. You know, the more you, in Jesus' name. And uh, people pray like this. They, they conduct their Christian life like this, all with the motive of getting the desires of their heart. And they may, in a lot of cases, at least that I've seen, they forget the first part of the verse that says, delight yourself in the Lord. What I want to talk to you about for the amount of time that we have left, or most of it, or part of it, is that little phrase there, delighting yourself in the Lord. As, as bizarre and weird as things are getting, uh, we, we have to be reminded that things have always been bad. 
and, and, and things may get worse. But uh, the Lord is still going to be in control. And uh, talking about those material things, yeah, if we lose something, if we lose, uh, if, if our accounts get hacked into and, and, and something happens and, and we lose stuff, uh, this is why it's so important for us to be faithful to the Lord with the material blessings he's given us because that is something you'll never lose. You know, back in, uh, what was it, 08, when we had that downturn the, and, and it, everything just fell apart uh, with the real estate market and people lost money and their, 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 uh, all their retirements accounts were, were blown away. I remember watching a, uh, an older man, he was a retired doctor, I watched him on the news, and he was practically crying. And he said, I've, I've lost it all. And he said, after I've done all the right things, and I thought to myself as I was watching him, I said, you know, if you have done all the right things, you didn't lose it all. If you were faithfully, consistently giving that portion to the Lord's work, you're investing in something that you'll never lose. But if all you have is invested in stocks and bonds and, and uh, you know, money market accounts and all this other stuff, yeah, there's a chance that you could lose that. And uh, there's really not much to console you if you do lose that. But what we invest in the Lord is never lost. It was either Martin Luther or John Wesley, one of those two great heavyweights. Luther, I think, actually both of them might have said something very close to this. They said, what I kept or what I keep, I'll lose. What I give unto the Lord, I will have forever. Who was that, Ron? Was that Luther or Wesley? One of those guys. They both say good things. What I kept, I lost. What I gave, what I dedicated to the Lord, I will have forever. So, well, this is another good time to take up an offering, <laughs> which we're not going to do. Again, if this is in your heart, you'll do the right thing. All right, look at this, uh, uh, this passage, these first seven verses again. I need to hear this. You need to hear this. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. Why would David say, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, don't you be envying evildoers, wrongdoers? Because it is in our heart and our tendency to covet and envy and want what other people have. Right? Some of you are shaking your head, amen. It's just, it's part of our totally depraved nature. We see stuff, advertisers spend millions if not billions of dollars every year to sell us stuff we really don't need but they make us want it. I was doing a study on the seven deadly sins some years ago and uh, the one on envy is, is interesting. I, I was reading some background on the sin of envy and I come across a 1912 Cadillac magazine uh, commercial, uh, an ad. And, you know, and back in 1912, you know, if you had a four-color, you know, magazine ad, you know, which, you know, Time magazine, if it was in existence back then, you know, but only the best publications had a four-color thing. And there was a Cadillac advertisement, and it said, this was the line. This is how they, this was their hook to get you to buy it. They said, if you own this car, you'll be the envy of all your neighbors. <laughs> so, you know, people read that and say, yeah, I, I want that. I want people to envy me. Well, <laughs> envy is just one of those things that we uh, have inside of us. And uh, here, David tells us, 
don't be envying wrongdoers. Maybe as you watch the news, if you yell at the TV, some people I know do, they, they watch the news and they're hollering at the TV. And uh, uh, you would think. I don't know why anybody wouldn't be hollering at the TV now. Yes, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> Doesn't everybody? <laughs> there's a lot to yell at. You know, <laughs> there's a lot that we wonder, but what is going on here? I, I just can't believe what I see. But if it's something, if it's the prosperity of the wicked that we're somehow envious, how come they have it so good? As far as I know, I have people that live on either side of me that uh, I'm not sure one guy goes to church at all. He may have some nominal church relationship. I think it's probably through his wife. He, he thinks, you know, somehow he can grandfather on to his wife's uh, church membership. And, and the other guy, I think that they're Catholic. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, it, it's a very nominal, distant kind of, you know, they get it over with on Saturday night, you know, so they can do what they want on Sunday. And uh, so when I, when I talk to them about, you know, or whenever it comes up, they, actually, I think they avoid talking to me because they know that I was a pastor and it wasn't a pastor of a church like they go to. They, uh, they have a, uh, a relationship with their stuff. And you can tell. <laughs> Whatever I tell people, well, how are we going to know where your house is? I said, well, just look for the house that has the least manicured lawn. And, and you know, among the five, <laughs> these people, they take care of their grass and their plants. And I, I leave it to the Lord. We plant it and the Lord wants it to grow. <laughs> God is sovereign. <laughs> if it didn't grow, well, he must have not wanted it to grow. So <laughs> I don't have a green thumb. I have a brown thumb. I, I plant green stuff and it tends to die. But the fact is, I look at my neighbors. This is what I wanted to tell you. I look at my neighbors. They have a very nice house, very nice belongings. And there's been times when I caught myself saying, I don't think they have a relationship with the Lord. How come they have it so good? I gotta have surgery and have a kidney removed. I got a guy who lives next to me, he's 85 years old, never even had a heart attack. I've had a heart attack, a stint, missing a kidney, I need knee surgery. I mean, I'm falling apart, this old guy's just rocking along. Now the guy on the other side, well, he's had some surgeries. So, you know, at least I could say, well, you know, it's, <laughs> come on, the outward man perishes. We're all wearing out, right? <laughs> we all need replaceable parts. <laughs> Anybody else here looking for aftermarket parts right now? I <laughs> I'm gonna get, some of these knees. I'm telling them they need to put a, a, a grease fitting right there on the new knee, you know, so that you could pump some grease in there and, and instead of having to get a steroid shot. So here's the deal. Starting off, don't be envious of evildoers. And here's something that we have to remember. They will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Now there's, there's four things that uh, David gives us in this seven verse beginning of this psalm here uh, because we do envy and we tend to want what other people have we have to be reminded they're going to be cut down like the grass so he tells us trust in the Lord you're going to be okay David took the long view of the situation and this is what we need to do remember uh, months ago we did a, a, one of the studies on something and I, 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 I drew a uh, there they are uh, you know, the, the good way to understand history is that everything comes back to the cross. I mean, we're back here at 1000 BC when the Psalms were written, 
looking ahead to the cross. I mean, this is the timeline. This is life. We go back as far as we can go back. Eternity goes back. Don't try to go back there. You can't go back there. You'll short out. You can't get too far ahead in the future. You'll short out. But we're here somewhere along this line, and uh, we're not going to be here for long. What is your life? You, you're born in 19-something uh, and died in another part, and your life is that long right there. And if you ever forget it, go through a cemetery, look at the tombstones. It doesn't matter if you were born in 1990 and died in 1991 as an infant. Your life is described as that. Now, let's really be legitimate about this. Most of our dash is gone. That's what you got left. <laughs> we got a dot left. And people at our age, with just a dot left, are living for this dot rather than living for this line. You say, yeah, well, I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be gone. Yes, you will. But this line is going to go on. So what's the, what's the big thing about this? Well, do you live for the dot, for everything that is going to be evaporating in a split second? Or do you live for the line? the eternal line, that we can't even comprehend how far it goes or how glorious the Lord's future is. This is why David tells us, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. And here's the verse. I still want to talk to you about this verse. Delight thyself in the Lord. What does this mean? Anyone here ever try to delight yourself in the Lord? Talk to me. Anyone here ever said, yeah, I... Uh, I want to delight myself in the Lord. I've done it, and here's how I did it. Anybody? Delight themselves in the Lord? Chuck, have you ever delighted yourself in the Lord? Ooh, you're preaching to the choir now. Good. You sing praises to the Lord. This is the type of thing I'm looking for. Anybody else? Ever delight yourself in the Lord? Hey, be honest with me. Okay. Yes, sister. That's good thinking right there. Now, I want someone to be honest and say to me, I never even gave that a thought. Anybody want to admit that? Never gave delighting in the Lord a thought. Well, I'll be the first one. I started studying this, and I had to say to myself, man, I've been a Christian all of my adult life, and I've never really thought about how do I delight myself in the Lord? And Chuck hit the nail with his head. <laughs> when he said, to sing praises, yes. I'm glad you caught that, yes. He hit the nail on the head. To sing praises to God, that's one of the ways. I've got maybe six or seven ways that we could practically delight ourselves in the Lord if this is something that you're interested in doing. Now, I drew that little thing about the dot and the line to remind us, David here taking the long view, he evaluated, and this is what commentators say David did, concerning his wisdom in this psalm. He evaluated the immediate and transient in terms of the ultimate and the eternal. Did you hear that? Say it again. I will. Thank you for that. He evaluated the immediate and the transient. That's your life. That's your dash or the dot that you have left. In light, in terms of the ultimate and the eternal. This is how the Christian lives the balanced life. You look around at what you got and you're reminded 
this really isn't going to last long. You think about what's ahead. It is appointed unto man once to die. You know, that could happen today. I know people don't want to hear that. Say, man, don't tell me that. We know it can happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know how it's going to happen. But you better be ready. And then everything that we're living for, what you've invested into the other side, into the line, that's when it's really going to matter. So, let us allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit to plow up our hearts. Yes, Tom. Delighting in the Lord is the, the thank you side of faith. That's one aspect of it, correct. There, there was a time when I was so relieved about something in my life that I was at a stop sign and I said, Lord, if I die right now today, if you take me today, I'll die happy. Now that, isn't that a great way to live? It, it, it really is. You know, you know, you can stop at the same red light and say, man, I hope I don't die today because, well, I just bought this brand new pickup and I want to enjoy it for a while. <laughs> is that brand new pickup more than treasure that you have on the other side? Didn't Jesus say, lay up for yourself? Hey, see, the Lord's not against us being rich and wealthy. He wants us to be eternally rich and eternally wealthy rather than just temporary in the dot. Invest in the line. That's where the real good stuff happens. So, trust in the Lord. Yeah, he's got four, four points. Trust in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Commit your ways to him and be still in his presence. There's your four-point sermon that we're not going to expand on all four points. So, we're noting verse four here, that half-quoted verse. And depending on the uh, preference of the church, see, the good thing about a church like this, you're not going to hear a half-quoted verse. You'll probably hear Bob or Mitchell or whoever's going to preach. They'll expound on this whole psalm rather than just take one verse. Well, get the desires of your heart. Get the desires of your heart. But there are people who will accentuate the desires of their heart without the first part of the psalm. And you can't have the desires of your heart if your Lord, if, if, if you're you yourself are not delighting yourself in the Lord. So that's why I asked, what does it mean? How do we do it? And I'm glad that Chuck asked, uh, answered that the way that he did. Now, if we would think about our relationship with our children, uh, we would like our kids to delight themselves in us, wouldn't we? How will our kids delight themselves in us? Well, first of all, they'll do what we advise them to do. I wish you could have met my dad. I had a godly, precious father, didn't say much, very quiet, and as a very out-of-whack, young, prodigal jerk that I was in high school and in the military and shortly thereafter until I had my dramatic conversion experience, my father, he didn't know what to say to me. All he would say to me is, just listen to your father. He would almost beg me, just listen to your father. And my dad was such a good guy, I'm glad that I did listen to him as much as I did. Every advice I've ever taken from him has benefited me, even to this point. I'm clipping coupons off that benefit right now, today, because I listened to my godly father's advice. So, saying that, I delighted myself in my father. It took me a while, especially after I was converted. But if we delight ourselves in the Lord, we will do what makes our heavenly father happy. And when we do that, 
I'm jumping ahead here because I want to make sure I get this said. When we do that, then you will receive the desires of your heart. If you don't do that, God forbid, you get the desires of your heart. Because what type of desires of your heart will we produce if we're not delighting in the Lord? Can you say indeed? Indeed, yes. <laughs> it's a Presbyterian amen. Yes, <laughs> indeed, yes. So we want our kids to listen to us. Uh, we would point them to Scripture. My dad pointed me to Scripture, and I'm glad that I grew up in a, in a Christian home that I always knew what was right. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in a Baptist church, and I didn't pay much attention, you know, but, but I knew that my parents had something real. All of my friends were Catholic. I wanted to be Catholic. They had it easier. They went to Mass a half hour, did a bang, did a bang, you go through it, yeah, let's go get drunk. <laughs> I went to this Baptist church. We had to go to Sunday school. We had to, then we had a church on Sunday night, a prayer meeting on Wednesday. I mean, you know, my parents had a drug problem. <laughs> I know you're shocked to hear, but they drug me to church Sunday morning. They drug me to church Sunday night. They drug me to prayer meeting on Wednesday. That's a good kind of drug problem, but that's a, my parents had that drug problem. They drug me to church. They drug me all the time. It's not a bad problem, but I didn't like it at the time. So, how do we delight ourselves in the Lord? Well, when we think of how good he's been to us, we can't help but praise him. Chuck, you hit the nail on the head. Praise the Lord. Make something up. Write a psalm. You say, well, I'm, I can't write a psalm. No, you can't write one like David. Don't expect it to be added to the 151st psalm. I don't think we're going to be adding on anything to the psalm or the 29th chapter of the book of Acts. The canon is what we have. It's all we need. But we, you and I can use our creative anointing to just say, Lord, I want to make a big deal out of you. And you can write a psalm. Garland, good idea. Write a psalm, share it with your wife. Have yourself a glory spell right there in your beautiful little home. Glory spells, they're good things. Uh, to write a psalm, to thank him more. See, if I, as I say thank the Lord, that's how you delight yourselves in him. You, we'll all say, well, I thank the Lord. Can you thank him some more? Can you be more thankful? Yes, we can. We can sing to him. You know, we sing in church, kind of, sort of. But uh, you can take your favorite hymn in the middle of the week on Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock. And I'm not saying stand up in the office where you work, if you're still working, or, you know, at your bridge club or at breakfast in Denny's. And you know, don't stand up and start singing there. But uh, it would really be effectual if you got off alone in some closet someplace and say, Lord, I just want to praise you. My faith still holds on to the Christ of Calvary. Now, this is a real chorus. I'm not making this up, but you can make something up. Oh, blessed rock of ages, cleft for me. I'll gladly place my trust in things I cannot see. My faith still holds unto the Christ of Calvary. Now, that's a little prayer session. I mean, a, a praise session. I feel better just doing that. And it feels good when you do it by yourself. I mean, I'm not doing it so you can hear it. I'm doing it because I'm singing to my Heavenly Father. I want him to hear it. And he does. <laughs> I'm delighting myself in him. <laughs> now, what kind of desires of my heart is the Lord going to give me? Well, maybe he'll open up a place for me to preach. That's a desire of my heart. I want to preach. I don't get that many invitations since I've retired. I have a couple coming up. I'm going to preach in Canyon Lake next week. I'm going to preach in California in January. I'm glad about that. But I don't get a whole lot of uh, 
invitations to preach. I, I'm really glad that Wayne uh, Urbanowski at Leon Springs Presbyterian Church has had me four times already, just in the last six months. And they keep having me back. I'm, <laughs> every time he calls me up after, I said, uh-oh, what happened? <laughs> Ah, well, you know, we like this. So anyway, he's, he's having me back. I'm delighting myself in the Lord, and he's giving me the desires of my heart. The desire of my heart is to do this. I got to tell you, a year and a half ago, whenever Bob Fuller, our senior pastor, after Rob Shelton left, and I thought, man, we ain't never going to replace that guy. I mean, his, he, he, was, he was so good. I, I, I looked forward to my wife, my wife and I both, we looked forward to it, and he left, and I said, man, I don't know what's going to happen. And then finally, uh, Bob Fuller came up. He said, hey, he said, we're going to do, we're going to have a couple. We're going to have you, Ron, and you. He said, we want you to be in the, And I was shocked. I said, I, I can't believe this. And uh, it's been an honor and a blessing. Frankly, I like it more when Ron does it because I'm learning something. <laughs> as long as I'm doing all the talking, I'm not learning anything. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm not learning anything. Ron or Chris, and by the way, both of them are going to be lined up for the next couple of months. But uh, the desires of our heart must be predicated by, is that the right word? The, the first thing we have to do is to delight ourselves in the Lord before we get the desires of our heart. Now, I have something written here. I want to make sure that I, uh, oh yeah. The Lord cannot or will not give us desires growing out of a heart that does not first delight itself in Him. What sort of twisted things might we want if pleasing the Lord is not the first desire of our heart? Frankly, you can't be trusted. We can't be trusted. I don't trust myself. What types of things am I going to ask the Lord for? Lord, Lord, who is it, James, who said, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss to consume it on your own lusts. We're carnal, we're self-centered, we're totally depraved. We're sick little puppies. I'm telling you. That's why I have to come to church all the time and get, get smacked right and get our thinking straight. And here is the smack for this morning. Delight yourself in the Lord. I like what Adrian Rogers said. Anyone ever hear Adrian Rogers? He was president of the Southern Baptist Convention, pastor of the huge Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. He's got a lot of these pithy little one-liners. And he was talking about this one time, about delighting ourselves in the Lord, or something like this. And he said, the Lord, quote, the Lord wants to give us what we desire if we were only smart enough to ask for the right things. <laughs> Isn't that good? He really, the, the Lord wants to give us the desires of our heart. But if you're just out there, you know, wanting and desiring things that are not the best thing for you, how many of you can honestly say, I'm glad the Lord ignored a lot of my prayer requests over my Christian life? I've asked for things, oh God, you know I need this, and he ignored me. And now I look back and I say, boy, am I glad he did. I didn't know any better, but he did. Yes, sir. Well, as you're driving down the freeway and you see this sign about the millions and millions of dollars in the lotto. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yes, and by the way, People that have done studies on people that have won the lottery have found that most of them, even if they won like, you know, tens of millions of dollars, they're usually broke six to ten years later. What a, what a shame. It, it, it. Habakkuk, Habakkuk, however you 
choose to pronounce that, made the statement, <laughs> you put it in pockets with holes. That's what happens. If, if we're not investing in something eternal, if, we're not, if our hearts are not delighting ourselves in God, you're living for the dot, you're ignoring the line, and it'll be disappointing once you get into it. So, we shouldn't even be thinking on the desires of our own heart. That's not our primary concern. God comes first. And you know, uh, I, I was talking about some ways here to, uh, how, how do we delight ourselves in him? We said to uh, thank him more, sing to him, write a psalm, uh, tell him you love him, memorize scripture like this one here. Uh, how about praying for someone who's not kind to you? Remember Jesus said that? Pray for those who despitefully use you. And, I, and that doesn't mean God put rat poison in their Cheerios. That's, that, that's not the kind of prayer request we're talking about. Lord, God, reveal yourself. We were reading in Chuck's Sunday school class this morning about Lydia in Acts chapter 16. And I never caught what I caught in that passage, that as the Apostle Paul preached, the Lord opened her heart. That was powerful. And that's how it works. You know, I think about all the times in my ministry over the last 40 plus years, I tried to open people's hearts. That doesn't work. But when God opens people's hearts, then it works. I can say from years of experience, pastoral experience, duh. <laughs> I should have known that all along. So the Lord comes first. If we want what he wants, we get our desires fulfilled. Remember how Jesus teaches us to pray? God's eternal throne, his name, first of all, hallowed be thy name. Can I confess to you? I will. I've already started, so it's too late to stop now. Before I did that study on the Lord's Prayer a couple of months ago, and after I did, once I got into it, I never realized how out of whack my praying was. In all of my 45 plus years of being a Christian, I never started a prayer by hallowing the Lord's name. Oh yeah, I said the Lord's Prayer. I read the Lord's Prayer. I said it, but no, no, no. It was, it was words without heart. The Lord would rather have words without heart. He would rather have a heart without words than words without heart. But we say things. I thought it would God never have it. And you're really not paying attention. Well, I really got into that study. It really benefited and blessed me. But I realized I never structured my prayers. You know, how do we pray? We get, oh, Lord, you know what I need. Oh, Lord, you know what my kids need. We get right to the prayer requests rather than doing the three or four things that Jesus said, this is what you do first. Pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We recognize the king of the universe, where he's at. He's in a real place. His name is to be revered and respected. Hallowed be thy name. Yahweh said, Kenu, the Lord, you're my righteousness, you're my peace, you're my shepherd, you're my healer, you're my provider. These are all compound names of God given to us in the scriptures. I just give you the English equivalent. How rarely did I do that? I didn't. I never did that. I never said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now I try to incorporate that in my praying, because that's what Jesus said is the most important thing to do. As I've done this, I find myself delighting myself in him. I like praying for his kingdom business and his will to be done more than I like praying for my stuff. Hey, 
That's kind of what the Lord would want us to do, and it brings us to a, a place of balance and equilibrium and the way things ought to be, where everything in our life is theocentric, God-centered rather than egocentric, me-centered. I, 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 I. Chuck Swindoll described this malady as extreme, ingrown eyeballitis. Doesn't that sound like a horrible thing? <laughs> Go to an optometrist, what's wrong with you? I got extreme, ingrown eyeballitis. All I do is think about myself. Okay. We're almost finished here. Pray in the Lord's Prayer, God's business, His kingdom, his kingdom business all comes before our asking anything. And we forget to put these things first in the framework of our prayer, and yet we repeat this prayer in church so often. Now I want you to look at where David concludes in verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Again, when you watch the news today, I'm not a prophet, but I'm going to tell you, there's not good things that are happening. We're seeing weird, bizarre, perverse, absolutely ridiculous things that we're expected to just go along with and even embrace and say, yeah, sure, isn't that great? Things are just great. Things are not great, folks. Things are getting worse. Socially, culturally, morally, sexual perversion, things that we, I mean, you know, now they're finding out things where kids have been abused over, and it's going on. It's, it's, it's horrible. Uh, we don't know how bad it is yet. Still, the Lord's not nervous. What does David tell us to do? 3,000 years ago, he had the answer. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I feel better just reading that. Just internally. Lord, I want to be still before you and wait for you. You have everything under control. There's no need for me to be uptight or nervous. God has no problem with our problems. Right? Is anything too big? Someone was asking one time, I, I think again it was John Wesley, I get my church heavyweights mixed up. Someone said, well, when I go before the Lord with my big problems or my little problems, and Wesley stopped me and he said, hey, do you really think anything's a big problem for God? God has no problem with our problem. Anybody here know any Cajuns? Okay. Are you a Cajun? <laughs> no, I just know a lot of Okay, good. All right, all right. There are no Cajuns here? Okay. Well, I have a somewhat kind of amusing story about a, a Cajun guy. He went to the doctor. He said, Doc, I'm sick. He said, I've got pain all over my body. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because we tend to look at things and see that they're worse than they actually are because we're not looking at it through the eyes of Scripture. We're not looking at it through the, through the perception of an almighty sovereign God. And I understand we can't completely do this, but at least we're being still and we're trusting in him. Unlike this Cajun guy who went to the doctor and he said, I got pain everywhere in my body. Every, ow! I mean, I, ow! He said, everywhere I touch, it hurts. The doctor examined him and said, your finger's broken. <laughs> your finger's broken. <laughs> <laughs> He thought things were bad everywhere he touched, but that's... See, we're like that. 
<laughs> it's really not that bad. You get the finger fixed and all of a sudden things will not seem to be that bad. Well, we're almost out of time. We've briefly looked at these uh, seven verses in the 37th Psalm. And again, the heading is God will not forsake his saints. Being still in his presence. There's the advice not to worry about evil people prospering and fretting about their evil schemes. And this I have to remind myself up while I'm yelling at the TV during the evening news. I wonder sometimes, why do I watch this? There's never anything good. Things are always getting worse. And then when I center my thoughts on a providential almighty God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. By the way, those things are going to happen. His kingdom will come. His will shall be accomplished. He just wants us to have a piece of that action and to be more heavenly-minded than earthly-minded. If you're just earthly-minded, well, you just get ready for that rip-snort and nervous breakdown because it's on the way. <laughs> That's all we have to look forward to, a nervous breakdown. Ah, I can't control these things. It's horrible. It's worse. I'm losing money. I got hacked. It's, that's what happened. Be still and trust in the Lord. And while you're yelling at the TV, just remember, these uh, evil people that may be prospering are just prospering on a very temporary, short-lived time period. It's not going to last for long. We, however, have something that will endure forever. And that makes me feel better. That makes you feel better. It makes me want to delight more in the Lord. Indeed. 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 That's what I say. <laughs> Amen. Indeed. Hallelujah. Father, Lord, would you remind us to make an effort to delight ourselves in you. Lord, whatever creative ways that we could think of, Lord, if we sing you a psalm, if we make something up, if we write you a, a thank you note, a word of praise, if we share it with our loved ones, help us, Lord, to delight in you and therefore receive these secondary, less important desires of our heart. All of what we could use, Father, to return thanks and blessing unto you for you're worthy to be praised, and we give you all the honor and praise and glory. It's your kingdom that will last forever, and it's in Jesus' name we agree together. Amen. amen. And amen.